Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Art Purcell. And I'm L. Jeffrey Moore. Wow. Boom, 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 boom. This is our third guest co-host, L. Jeffrey Moore. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me. This is awesome. Of course. Yeah, man. Um, So you were on the show probably the most recent, I think, out of any of the co-host guests. Um, Gosh, what was your episode like? episode 160 something maybe or wow in that in that realm yeah yeah something like that wow you guys have done a lot that's awesome man congrats well it was like back in may i believe because that's when the rage was released online Mm -hmm. um in may or april of this year uh or last year this actually this is going to air in 2019 believe it or not so yeah so like, how did this all start for you, man? Have you been doing filmmaking since like high school, since college? Like, what? When did you get? When did it take you? When did you? And how did you get started? Wow. So filmmaking for me uh, came from the uh, from my uh, theater background. So I started doing high school theater in Greensboro, North Carolina, and it kept going. Uh, I, I received my my BFA. Uh, from A&T State University and went on to graduate school, still studying theater. But this trip, I actually started to take some film production courses. And even before then, I actually did a a short film at a local, you know, cable access. So, you know, I was I was I was reading a lot of, you know, Rebel Without a Crew uh, checking out all the Quentin Tarantino movies that were coming out at the time, Spike Lee. I vividly remember seeing "Do the Right Thing." I think it was a uh, '89. So yeah, f- all, yeah, fresh out of high school. Oh my God, that's forever. But wow, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that really got me into it. So uh, a light just you know clicked on, and I was like, I want to do that. You know, so reading every film magazine I could get my hands on and watching every movie, you know, really started my journey, you know, onto this. Nice, man. Um, So when you made your first short film back in 89 or 90 or whenever it was, uh, what what did you make it on? Was it a video camera? Was it a film camera? Like, how did you get it done? Uh, It was an SVHS camera back in the day where you still used some type of a media <laughs> so wow. you slapped a you slapped a VHS tape in it and into your VHS your SVHS cuz I was I was wanting to be fancy and I my first short film was about you know love and romance and all the trials and tribulations uh thereof it was called love is stronger and so it was like three three short snippets about relationships and uh it was <laughs> it, it was awesome <laughs> wow is this something that you have out for people to see and, and, and did you direct this write this star in this all of the above or how, how did I, it go yeah i wrote it i directed it and i starred in one of the shorts in one of the stories uh and no it's not online i i know i still have that tape lurking around here somewhere i'll I'll dig it up and see if I can digitize find. it and put it on so we can have it here. Cause I'd love for people to see your first ever work that you did like 
back when you first got started? Because I think that's it's so interesting, too, because the way that people get started now, I mean, everyone's got 5Ds. Red cameras are easy to come by. Alexas, you know, whatever. Oh, you know, sure. It's just whatever. I mean, the tools you have when, you, when you're right out of high school, right out of college, it's insane. But um, back when you got started, it wasn't that way at all. It was uh, much, much more different. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. And then the craziest thing about that is, you know, you had your people who were, you know, the rift between actual filmmakers, those who are using film as opposed to video. Like you couldn't say that you're a filmmaker because you're not shooting on film. You know, now that now that that paradigm has shifted, um, you know, we're seeing that, you know, filmmaking is really just uh, we're saying it because we've been used to saying film for a hundred plus years. So, you know, that definition has definitely changed. But, you know, definitely I'll even say, you know, furthermore than that, you know, people can start shooting something on their cell phones. I know oh, you and yeah. I. Yeah, I know you and I could have great conversations. You're you're obsessed with this whole L- iPhone cell phone thing. I'm like, what is like? Who cares? Like, you know, everyone has cameras. Let's go just use a camera. Well, you know, though, I think my thing is that a I think it would be fun to do, but also it's the simple fact of democratizing technology, right? You know, so Francis Ford Coppola, you know, his, I'm going to butcher his quote, but, you know, he said, like, some little fat girl in Iowa can be able to take a, a Super 8, you know, camera and, you know, make the next great masterpiece, right? So, you know, and that was during his time when digital filmmaking was just kicking off. Now it's your smartphone. Like, it's this little computer that's now taking... 4k making 4k content and then with uh red coming out with their hydrogen one uh, smartphone i mean it's just going to be off the rails so you know we'll we'll see i mean i'm a big fan of shooting with the red i've shot with the red before you and i've worked on the rage with the red and i've done a few more projects with the red camera and i you know i love it but i also know that you know there are a lot of people who don't have uh, access to that camera or any of the other great cameras that are around and if they can you know just go to their local carrier pick up a phone and then start shooting I think that's great just to say you know I had a really funny conversation with a uh, head, uh, owner of a production company last week I was interviewing for a potential job and uh, we talked about the red camera and he's like oh god I'm so sick and tired of the red camera like oh man like Sometimes it looks really good. Sometimes it's really beautiful. But man, people just shoot on the red, and oh, geez, it's like sometimes I'm like, what? What did you shoot that on? It looks so <laughs> terrible. And then I was just like, well, it's not necessarily the tool; it's how you use the tool. Exactly. You know? Like you could shoot with an Alexa Mini and make it look bad. You know, I mean, it's probably harder to make an Alexa Mini look bad than a red. But you know, you really have to understand your the tool you're using in order to actually make something that looks good. It's it's not all it's not the camera; it's the person behind the camera. Oh yeah, know? definitely, definitely. I, I remember seeing uh, <laughs> this this DP. God, I can't remember his name. Bill Holshnikov. I, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, Bay Area uh, cinematographer, but he did a session like years back and used a VHS camera lit a little uh miniature like a toy car had this whole setup where he lit this car this toy car and it looked like it looked amazing you know and he used an old VHS camera that he dug up and his whole point was it's not like you know you were just saying it's not the camera it's the person right so oh yeah, yeah. exactly 
Yeah, I mean, and, you know, we were also talking about, like, the C-100 and C-300 and how, you know, things shot on that have looked really beautiful and that's like an 8-bit camera and not even anything close to a red or an alexa but it's really just you know understanding your tool uh so (laughs) i wanted to know after you did your your shorts film stuff at a college um what did you do next like did you get a job in in the industry at all or like when you graduated college did you do, do a different career and act on the side like what like what happened next well, as with uh, all struggling artists, uh, you know what? I'll actually say I was I was lucky. After after undergrad, I started doing uh, uh, some touring theater stuff. So I was doing like some performance poetry with with an organization out in Asheville, North Carolina, uh, going to various schools across the country, which was great. I got to see a lot of the East Coast uh, that way, meeting many different types of people from many different backgrounds or what have you and doing uh previously published works you know so you know acting acting out poems which were amazing into itself yeah yeah it was great it was great you know i i remember going through like the mountains of west virginia to the my northernmost point was maine and uh I'll, i'll never forget i was i was in this class doing a workshop And I asked all of them, I think it was Bangor, Maine, but I asked them what they all wanted to do when they, you know, grew up. And literally in unison, they said, move. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. That, oh man, yeah, you couldn't ask for better comedic timing uh, than that. But, you know, uh, um, it was, it was great. You know, I drove through Vermont, no, no billboards in Vermont. So, you know, did that. And was able to see a lot of the the East Coast that way and doing some touring theater as well, like straight, you know, straight out plays. And then I got the uh, the urge to go back, go back to school. Right. So uh, I was in a I was in a lull, I guess you could say, whether a creative lull or just your general life thing. And I was like, you know what, let's go back to school, get my head on straight, figure out what's what. And then that's when I uh, went to school down in Savannah, Georgia. You went back to school in Savannah, Georgia. What did you go to school for? So Savannah College of Art and Design. So my my degree says media and performing arts. That's really just a fancy way of saying I, I took some theater classes and I took production classes uh, with all of my electives that that I was able to do. So that I was able. And, to and take. what year is this? Haha. That was a uh, 99 to 2000. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like four you four years after you finished um your your undergraduate roughly? Uh, no, no, no. So I actually I actually so I, I finished undergrad in 93 then 93 to 99. Yeah, so six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, were yeah. You, so were, six you, were years. you touring that whole time, uh, doing acting, or what were you doing between '93 and '99? Oh, so it was just a little bit of acting, a little bit of part-time jobs, you know. So, you know, I was I was still you know living at home. Well, no, I was out the house by then, but you know, still still in my hometown. Okay. So it was literally You're still yeah. in in North Carolina. 
Yeah, I was still in North Carolina uh, at the time. I was also taking part in various uh, theater activities. So I was either uh, working with my alma mater, uh, doing some shows with them. I was also taking part in uh, what there was uh, the National Black Theater Festival that I was working, you know, with from time to time. I was teaching theater to to middle school students as well as elementary school students. So I was still active, uh, more on a scholarly basis, you know, but always, you know, getting myself back on stage as, as much as I could. And at this point, had you ever lived anywhere besides North Carolina or besides your touring, or had you just been kind of stayed in your home base? Well, you know, I actually spent a good uh, summer, a little bit more than a summer, up in uh, New York. I have family up in oh, Harlem, wow. and on a whim, I decided that I wanted to get into film, and I I went to New York. I worked on this one independent uh, film project, and... You know, that was great, you know, so seeing seeing how uh, this cat had, you know, his his parents were, you know, had money. And so they let him make his first film. Uh, they used a uh, Super 16 uh, to, to make it. And I was there for a summer. It was great. And did you work on that movie or were you just kind of observing? I was a PA. So, you know, doing oh, the there you go. work. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and was that experience like, okay, I want to do more movies or was that like, oh, I, I'd rather go back and just focus more on theater and acting? No, that actually galvanized my desire to do more, more film. And, you know, if, if I had to say, if I had one regret, I had some family issues come up. I was actually, I was actually married at the time and I decided that you know we decided that that shouldn't be the case so we were divorcing so I actually had to move back uh, to North Carolina to take care of that but I I do wish I had stayed up there uh, I was just getting to meet people um, other artists other production companies or what have you but you know still I, I'll take that experience and uh, use it wow man um, so then you go back to North Carolina after that, and then it's a few years later that you end up enrolling in, in school at Savannah, Georgia for your master's. Is mm -hmm. that what it was? Okay. Yeah. So I decided to uh, go back to school. I was actually, here's how that whole thing happened. So I was, uh, I was doing a show, uh, with A&T and we were going through the process of going through this, um, so there's a competition that happens every year called uh, the National Theater Festival. Um, it's, it's been so long. So, but anyway, so during these rounds of competing, you know, you perform, you know, your play, then it gets it gets judged, and then you keep going up and up, and then the final. Uh, stages performing at the Kennedy Center which I was actually able to do twice uh I oh, was wow. yeah oh it was great it was great yeah I was I was a partner of one actress who is phenomenal uh I should actually reach out and see what she's doing but anyway so you know she did a monologue and then there was a scene and I was her scene partner and so we kept going up and up and up next thing you know 
were performing at the Kennedy Center. So that was great. So same thing for full length plays. So as I was, I, I want to say it was in Virginia or what have you, but we were performing these shows and on a whim, there were people auditioning folks for grad school. And just for shits and giggles, I decided to go in, you know, and next thing you know, uh, I went into the Savannah College of Art and Design. Uh, I auditioned for them. Then I auditioned for Ole Miss, Mississippi State University and Florida State. And I decided to go to Savannah, Georgia. It was a new program and it was literally going to give me what I wanted, which was theater and film, right? So because I consider myself to be an anomaly where, you know, I wanted to be both the actor, but also know what's going on behind the camera and learn what's going on behind the camera that I decided to go there. Nice. And so let's just fast forward. Uh, you graduate, well, I imagine like roughly four years later. So like in, you know, 2003, 2004, around that time. That was actually a two-year program, which was uh, okay. another <laughs> great. I was like, uh, just okay. two years? Done. So 2001-ish, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. basically. Okay, yep. nice. Yep. And then um, and then at that point, um, what do you do? Are, are you, do you pursue more jobs in acting or in video production? Or what's the next step after, after you graduate? Well, at that point, I was trying to finish up my thesis project, which was, you know, your term paper, and you put that off until like the, the very last minute. So I was pretty much uh, focused more on that. Uh, in the meantime, I had moved to Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, where I'm a huge uh, Prince fan. So I was able to go through some of the stomping grounds uh, where, where, you know, where he was raised. So that was great. Um, never, never experienced so much cold weather in all my life, but loved that area just the same. What what was your goal when you arrived there? Were you like, okay, here's a job for me that I, I need to get or just to pay the bills? Or did you have something that you were going after as far as your career? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I, had, uh, I had met my now wife in grad school, and she is from uh, Minnesota. So I decided to move up move upstate uh, with her. And yeah, it was great, you know, um, learning more about Minnesota. I was still doing theater there. I had done a couple of short films while I was there. And during during that time, it was a moment of, okay, I started to feel the calling to go to LA. And if I was going to do it, I needed to do it then while I was still crazy enough to just move again. I didn't have any real responsibilities at the time. It was a good moment, you know, to to do that. So, you know, I was still I was I'm still good friends with a good buddy of mine, uh, with whom I was roommates with uh down in, in Georgia and he was living in Burbank. We kept in touch and sure enough about a good year and a half later put all my stuff in my car, drove down to California, and uh, I have been oh, wow. here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, funny. Uh, great. So when did that happen? That was... Um, 2003. Oh, wow, okay. And that was mm -hmm. before you got married, or, or...? That was before. Still before. Okay. We, were still, we were still dating 
Okay, and did she yeah. come with you, or did she stay in Minnesota? She stayed in Minnesota. Okay. We, we kept it long. We kept it long right. distance. Yeah. Long distance. Okay. Yeah. So 2003, you go to LA. This, so this is like the, in the story, this is like the, the, the point, you know, where you'd think, okay, things take off from here. So let, tell us what happened. Yeah. So, you know, as with any person who decides to move down to LA, they have a twinkle in their eye and, you know, full of gusto, you know, they pack up the car, move down to Los Angeles and they wait and they wait <laughs> <laughs> yeah they do the stereotypical wait tables i was a barista i i can't wait tables like i could i couldn't do it i tried i it, it was i i just it was just bad news if i started to do that but um you know i was i was able to get an agent uh some of my friends from minnesota had had moved down to LA as well, so I had I had a a good base, uh, a good network. Uh, I was there for four years, and during that time, you know, you you could become jaded real real quick uh, there. But I think the thing that kept me going was the fact that it's for me it was always a marathon and not a sprint. So. I knew that I was playing the long game and just a simple fact that, you know, I, I wanted to have a life outside of being an actor and how that whole business could um, eat you up and spit you out if you let it. So, you know, if anything, you know, I had a I had a great time while I was there. Uh, that's where I, I just took part in, you know, going to the going to the parks, going on hikes, you know, doing an audition when I could, working. Um, so, yeah. so did you have representation the whole time that you were there, or was it only for a period while you were there, or no. how, how did that work? Well, so at the time, at the time, I had I had dreads, so my hair was a lot longer. So oh, my wow. persona and my look were two entirely different things. So when I, I received, when I got representation, it was a good year that that I was going out and just wasn't booking anything you know like the big difference between landing a spot and then actually auditioning for student films or other people doing other things that you know wasn't going to give you a whole lot of money or any money at that time you know was like I would book I would book a project that wasn't paying much but you know you got me and a whole row of people who look just like me auditioning for the same <laughs> role so i mean right. yeah i mean it <laughs> i mean it is what it is here's a funny story so i was i was auditioning for i think at the time i want to say it was a mary j blige music video so the whole concept was this guy was supposed to be like hardcore and i'm a pretty big dude not like you know musk you know muscular muscular like like the rock but you know pretty big guy but you know so my agent sends me out and you know, I'm going there. I went there and I I see all these guys who were just like far more intimidating than <laughs> than I could possibly, you know, uh pretend to be. So, literally, I'm the guy that's like, "Hey guys, how's it going?" I walk up, I see the lady, she looks up, looks at me, looks at the other man out there and she's like, why are you here? And I'm like, yeah, I know. Just give me the sides. Wait, were you supposed to be, um, 
were you supposed to be like a, a bad guy or something or like a scary person? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the, I think the role was for, you know, really big dude, very intimidating, but he has like a heart of gold or what or what have you. But oh, you know, okay, yeah. But everyone that was there was like, <laughs> looked like they they had done time. <laughs> so right, right. I right. say that oh, it was it was crazy. But at that point, that was the point where I actually gave like the best audition. Like it was one of my really, really, really good auditions, and I didn't get the part. Um, and for the most part, I kind of know why, because I didn't meet this particular, you know, criteria. So, you know, you, you give a great audition and you forget about it because you have to. Right. Right. Yeah. So the, um, so the the time in LA, you're four years. So did you land any big roles or anything notable that got you a good paycheck or were you doing anything else film related besides going on auditions while you were out there? Um, or did you just work as the barista the majority of the time that you were there? The majority of my time was doing the barista thing. I actually did teach a little bit at uh, the New York film Academy, uh, while I was there. And that got me in touch with, you know, a lot of great people, you know, networking with other with other actors, other filmmakers. I was actually able to produce and direct another short film while I was there. And uh, that that one, I can't. Oh, that's I can't, cool. Yeah, yeah, that was great. That was actually when, when a good buddy of mine, we had actually started to uh, work together. And we had, been, we had been talking about it for quite some time. And during our time in L.A., you know, he he gave me a script to read. I liked it. And I was like, hey, man, I want to direct this story, you know, and he was like, yeah, sure. And <laughs> that was pretty much it. And we still, you know, we're great friends now. Um, you know, we both can't wait to, you know, start another project now. He's actually uh, him and and another good good buddy of mine. They're they're doing a show uh, in D.C. So, yeah, it's great. Nice, man. So why did you move away from Los Angeles? Was it just like you had enough of doing the acting thing and going on auditions and you wanted to get back to your life in Minnesota or like what, what was the, what happened there? Well, you know, I decided to move to the Bay area partly because, uh, my, my girlfriend at the time now. Oh wait, so you went from okay, so you went from L.A. You didn't go back to Minnesota. You went from L.A. to the Bay Area. Oh dear God, no! It's still cold, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, yeah. So I moved from L.A. to the Bay Area. Uh, girlfriend, uh, okay. Now wife, uh, relocated to the Bay Area, and I was like, screw it. You know, I'll L.A. will always be there. I'll move up to uh I'll move up to the Bay Area. It's only six hours away. Right, right, and right. And then we got married soon after that. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if anything, you know, it was just it was just a matter of, you know what? I can leave. You know, I, I had felt that I had done what I could at the time. Like I knew I wasn't giving up because I was just gonna do the same thing up there as I was, you know, down in LA, you know, so I was like, I can leave. You know, like so, really, it was like another switch just went off and I just did it like I wasn't afraid to go. 
So then when you got here, um, roughly 2007, 2008 in that realm, mm-hmm. uh, what what do you do then? Do you get a, end up getting a day job? Are you still doing filmmaking and acting here? Like, what, what's the next step? Yeah, so the next step uh, when, when I got up here was to figure out the lay of the land, see what was going on uh, acting-wise, and I proceeded to put myself out there. So, you know, getting into short films. At that time, it was still... Uh, still theater and with the filmmaking it was more of a I want to start creating more work so I'm going to make my own you know stuff or be a part in the creating you know process whether it's writing or directing or writing and producing or producing or what have you so I put a lot of my focus uh, into that so soon after I um, soon after I moved up here, I did a short film uh, with uh, some people down in Mexico. Oh, and wow. yeah. And and this was one that you acted in or produced or I produced it, acted and edit it. Wow. And, what's, and what was this one called? This was this was called uh, Borders. Uh, it was it is about a, uh, a young a veteran, army veteran, who who is looking for his sister and ends up uh, in Mexico, and uh, it's it's a it's a gripping drama. Like when when we shot it, we were throwing caution to the wind because we knew it was a short, but it ended up being forty minutes long. Oh boy! <laughs> so the, the death knell of all short films. Oh yeah, making it over thirty minutes. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, what uh, what did you guys shoot on? Was this uh, were were Reds available at this time? Was it DSLRs? Like, what what was your your tool? Mini DV. It was the Canon oh, XHA1. Nice. Yeah, that was All my right. first real camera that that I bought. Oh wow! And and then who who did you get to shoot it? Did you shoot, or did you have a, you could find a DP somewhere? Or uh, well, no, no, we we so okay. I guess I'll name drop. So. My my film my filmmaking partner and good friend uh, Tyrell Ventura, uh, he directed it, shot it. We both shot it. We both directed it. Uh, you've seen him. He's now uh, the co-host of uh, Watching the Hawks. He's uh, now a uh, news commentary uh, person. So we and you know we still keep in touch and uh, we still want to you know create you know very you know ripping you know stories or what have you but you know we we went down to mexico to shoot this uh short film and this was during the time when you know we were like oh we don't care how long it is and right you know it ended up being 40 minutes long and even if we try and i actually tried to cut it down more but you know when you keep massaging and working a short like if you cut anything else out you're going to cut a main artery right you know so <laughs> right and it, it just gets like, really hard especially yeah. with a long project you know yeah um and then this is the one that uh jesse ventura is in right yeah yeah because yeah. tyrell ventura is his like nephew or son or son son okay yeah awesome yeah that's cool yeah well yeah it was cool you know and and uh jesse ventura um dominique swain uh, was in it so 
you know, it was it was really a moment. It was actually my first uh, time dealing with uh, the Screen Actors Guild as a producer. So, oh, nice. yeah. So, you know, I it was I, I, I've the process of utilizing SAG actors like it's easy. You know, you get with you get with uh, the union uh, person at, at the office. They talk you through it. You know, they say, don't work them this this many hours and you don't work them that many hours. <laughs> it's it really as kind of simple as that. You know? <laughs> right. <It's>, yeah. <laughs> it's loosely. You know, I, I say that loosely, but, you know, with with how I've been uh, presented, you know, with the paperwork for uh, working with with SAG actors as a producer yeah, you know, you you know, you, you you treat them like any other human being, making sure they're taken care of as artists, and yeah, they'll they'll uh, go to hell and back for you. So then, at that point, so you make that short film, and then like now you're kind of in producing mode, right? So then you, yeah. you just start producing a bunch of different things, and are you still acting, or did you kind of like take a step back from acting at this point? Yeah, at this point, uh, like during that time, so two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I had switched more into producing mode partly because, you know, I was going to be a father. So I did one other uh, play. But then after, you know, after that, I kind of put that on hold because doing live shows, uh, you know, A, uh, I love it, but at the same time, you know, the, the amount of time you have to put into doing a play is un- is not as forgiving as doing as doing film film work it's still pretty much the same amount of time but with film you can kind of like block time off in order to get stuff done as opposed to going to a rehearsal at night or during the day and then the closer you get to production time the more you're t- the more you're living in that theater making sure that lights are focused that you're getting the blocking down right getting off book and all that which I you know I have great great respect for because those are my roots so I knew uh, becoming becoming a parent you know I needed to focus more on being a being a new parent and then also trying to figure out where can I where can I release this creative you know energy that I still have yeah yeah totally wow so then so that's the producing so then are you when like so you did you do any acting in the bay area when you came here um besides in borders or was it pretty much you came here you made borders and then you just started on this producing path yeah yeah pretty much started on on the producing path right after that so i actually did one other uh short film before my before my son was born and that was called the experiment you know it was still me uh getting you know cutting it you know get getting getting a foothold on the whole directing writing producing thing and at that time I was still kind of a run and gun person at the time by myself but I think that was one of the pivotal moments that I was like okay I need a crew like I need people who will actually help me do this right but you know even still dealing with a makeup effects uh, person, uh, dealing with stunts, dealing with uh, uh, gun work and stuff like that was a great, you know, was a great experience uh, nonetheless. And so 
that you can find and that's and that you wrote and directed that and produced that too? yeah yeah wow yeah and then what are you doing with these projects are you like releasing them online are you submitting them to film festivals like what what's happening with these things uh some of them like borders did actually go to a film a couple of film festivals uh you know so even though it was 40 minutes long you know i was still able to get it screened but right now borders is online there there's a there's a what is it so there's a cut that's online that has like a temp track but you know basically i just basically i just need to go into this box with all of my tapes (laughs) and clean it up a little bit digitize them again and then put it online um uh the the experiment you can find online as well and it really wasn't until I did a Midsummer Nightmare, the betrayal, that that at that moment that was the short film that I was like, okay, I can really stand behind this. This isn't another another project that I'm learning from. You know what I mean? Like you're learning from every project, but this was the one thing where I was like, okay, this is the real deal. Like you had a real crew, you had you know, more than just, well, you had more than just three people trying to do it. You know, you had like a team, a cinematographer, you had, you know, three producers on oh, it. Wow. Right. Yeah. 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 Nice. A, a makeup person, you know, like once you, once you have an RV that. <laughs> that yeah. <laughs> so how you did know. you afford all that? Did you, were you able to raise money? Like, like how, how could you pull off such a big production? Well, I was again. I was one of uh, three producers, so the the one thing that I was responsible for, we all kind of divvied up the responsibility. So I was more or less responsible for it. That you know, doing whatever I could as far as like social media was at the time. But then also, I was the guy that was dealing with uh, Screen Actors Guild paperwork. So because I have experience uh, working with that, that that was me. You know, so I was the guy that was running around with 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 the clipboard, with the time schedule saying, hey, can you sign off on this? And, you know, and then filling that paperwork out and then sending it to SAG so that, you know, we'll we'll be good to go, you know, with that. But we did at the time an Indiegogo campaign. So we raised uh, money that way. Uh, I think, oh God, how much did we sh- raise i think it was like five thousand dollars six thousand i can't remember but it was quite a bit you wow know? but that's a, a lot. lot yeah it's a lot is a lot but a lot of that went to went straight into the production uh whether it was costume pieces it's it a midsummer nightmare the betrayal is i i it's i call it cowboys and fairies because it's a Fant- it's a fantasy western. <laughs> you and know, and then about... who did you get to direct it? Was it um was it someone you knew or one of your producers' friends or what happened there? Well, one of the other producers who was also the director, Joshua Siegel. Uh, I had worked with him before back in my days down in Los Angeles. He now lives in Chico, California. So he made his first uh, feature film uh, called a. Uh, Bloodwood Cannibals, you know, so the horror genre, which I think every every first time director probably ends up shooting, you know, one one horror film to, you know, 
to get some experience with. But, you know, he did his first feature film and he wanted his second film uh, to to be this uh, this Western fantasy, you know. So so the whole story is basically a Midsummer Nightmare, a Midsummer Night's Dream written by William Shakespeare. You know, the actual William Shakespeare writes the play and then the spirit, these fairies are actually real. So they enchant this book once uh, things things go awry. It's not until uh, the 1800s that they come back to wreak havoc on uh, on the people who are actually trying to get a hold of the book. Wow. Crazy. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so is that one out for people to see? Like, can is there going to be a link attached to this uh, episode? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah. You awesome. can de- you can definitely Google it. But then also, yeah, the links will be will be there. So. So I guess after that movie, is it just more producing, producing, producing? Yep. Like and did you ever go back t- into acting before I met you or was it like kind of around when I met you when you were really getting back into acting? Oh, God, you know, when we met, that was near the beginning when I was like, okay, it's time for me to start acting again, you know? Oh, wow. Okay. So you'd already, you'd been taking a break basically since Los Angeles, most like more or less. Well, 2000, you know, 2008, 2009 was really the time when, when I, I, I took a break. And then even, even when... I did uh, a Midsummer Nightmare, you know, I started doing like little bit pieces, you know, so I was, I was, I, I did a cameo at the end of that short film. And then it was, it wasn't until, oh, what was it? It was, oh, and then I directed, I co-directed another short film by the name of uh, Toxin. Um, oh yeah, I that, saw that. Yeah, yeah, that, that was, you know, J- Joshua and I, we, 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 we got this, thing in us where it was like oh we want to make like you know you know those cheesy action flicks you know like yeah. crank and crank two and yeah and- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, rem- I remember watching that movie and then you're not really in it very much uh if right. at all and uh i re- remember like wow this guy's such a great actor and he made this movie and he's a better actor than everybody in the movie like why isn't he in his own movie i don't understand <laughs> Like, yeah, just, I, you, know. <laughs> you know what? Here's the thing. Like, I I guess it was I kind of deemed it necessary for me to stay behind the camera. You know, I mean, I, no, no offense to any of the oh, actors no. in that movie, but I mean, you know, Jeff, Jeff's got it going on. You know, that's all <laughs> oh, I'm saying. Thanks, man. <laughs> well, you know, I think it was really like, you know, uh, you know, I'm I'm big on, you know, your journey and your path and all that. And I think at that time it was. You know, not not to say that I wasn't ready to get back or anything like that, but like I really wanted to hone my craft as a director or as a producer, you know, so and I really didn't see I didn't really didn't see a particular role that I could just like put myself in, you know, and I right. and I chose and I chose to I chose to like, oh, hey, I want to I want to help direct. And, and I was actually asked to co-direct you know so you know of course i'll i'm not gonna say no to that so yeah of course why not yeah totally um all right so let's let's fast forward just a a slight bit so then you know right around the time i met you like i don't know 2015 2014 i think roughly in that realm Mm -hmm. um that's when you start acting again and you we had you already been going on out on auditions when 
you know, we, we, when you auditioned for my thing, or was that one of the first that you had gone back on? Or like, you know, what was the deal? So before you and I actually met, I had actually done one other like really good short film uh, called uh, All I Think Of Is You. Uh, which was directed by Shad Clark, shot by uh, oh yeah yeah Mark that was Mariano. good yeah 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 it was it was a really really good film and the whole the whole, that you know here's here's the thing though that was when that was the short film that was like Jeff you're acting because the the role the role itself um, dictated that these these people like have shaved heads and at the time at i had regrew my hair you know with the uh, with locks so it was like kind of sort of shoulder length but i was kind of getting tired of them and i was like i was ready to cut them again and while i was having those thoughts we were auditioning people uh for the lead role and we just weren't finding you know we weren't finding the the, the right fit and all this time the director was like Jeff, you're going to act in this. You're going to act in this. He didn't tell me, you know, but literally it was as we're as we're auditioning people, he was like, so, Jeff, why don't you just read with this, read with, you know, the actress, you know, that ended up being in being in the short. And so as soon as he said it, I knew what was happening. And then I was thinking, yeah, and I'm ready to cut my hair. So it was kind of serendipitous, you know, that that it happened. Right. So that so that's how I got thrown back into acting. Nice, man. That's awesome. Um, so. OK, so now you're acting again. Um, mm-hmm. And are you still like produced? I know we produced and and, you know, you had written um, The Rage with me. But since yep. that project, is there anything else that you've been, you know, working on as a producer? Or has it been more just focusing on the acting game? Uh I like to say it really all depends on the story as far as like how I, you know, at this particular stage of the game, if I'm creating something myself or with people and if uh, we have a good rapport, I can either usually ask to be in something or I just put myself, you know, in it. Right. So, you know, and then you, you know, any other projects I actually audition for. Right. So how we actually met was uh was kind of crazy and it was literally on a whim where I I think I was on I think I was on Facebook and or it was, was Twitter was yeah it was, it was Twitter. Twitter yeah I don't even yeah. remember how it happened um if I had put something out like looking for actors or how you would have heard about it because it was we did go through SF casting and we weren't really finding that many people and then maybe I did maybe I put out a Twitter shout out like I was like looking for actors for something or whatever. I don't know. I don't really remember. But um well, whoever we're linked with yeah, cuz I I saw I saw something on Twitter and I just uh I sent you a tweet and then I sent you a direct message. And then next thing you know, it's like, "Hey, can you meet me at my house and, you know, we'll audition?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And and, <laughs> and, and people just to realize this was like same day. Like he like texted me or DM'd me at like 11.30 on, you know, in the middle of the day. My auditions were at 4 or 5 o'clock. And then I think I got your number or I called you like right after that. And I was like, hey, man, 
I know this is crazy last second, but can you come audition today? I'd love to see you if you're available. Um, and then I sent you the sides, and then you came in with like, I don't know, three three hours prep, maybe four hours prep for the audition, something yeah, like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and then you just blew everybody away. Like you, All the other competition, you just knocked it out of the park. And I was like, this is the guy, you know? <laughs> and the producer-writer at the time, I can't remember what her opinion was, if she agreed with me all the way or not, but... Um, she must have agreed with me enough in order for, <laughs> to, for us to cast you because she, you know, it wasn't like they just let me decide whoever I wanted. It was, it was always a discussion and always a, you know, a debate. But, uh, but yeah. yeah, I think, I think at that point she had already chosen a few actors when I was brought onto the project. So I think they were trying to like be like, okay, I'll work. Like you have some input too, you know. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that was crazy. That was a crazy story. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a crazy story. And I think like, did I, did I do a call? I did a callback too, right? Was that when I, I read with uh, someone else? Um, I, I, like I, well, the, the antagonist. So be- believe it or not, dude, like that was the callbacks. Oh, so okay. you you came in on our callback day, like after we had already done most of our auditions, and it was like we were just trying to whittle it down and like get to the nitty gritty. So I think, um, I yeah, I think Mitch, who was the other actor, I think he was there that day for a fitting. And then he was reading with everybody. So I think oh, you okay. read with Mitch, I believe. I think, yeah, uh, I think so too. But at the very least, uh, you read with Komika, who was the other uh, the other lead. Um, she was there. And we didn't do that on our first set of auditions um, that we had done in San Francisco. So, so yeah, it was crazy, man. I mean, <laughs> and it was like such a, such a funny thing that like, you know, probably not the first time that technology played a big role in a project of mine, but like it was like, oh man, Twitter works. There we go. <laughs> right, love it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, man, you know, like at this day and age, I, 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 I am starting to question uh, social media, uh, but when it works, it works. Right. And <laughs> right. And and definitely, you know, getting people together. Uh, which which I think is one of the main reasons, you know, that that these that these outlets, you know, need to, you know, stay viable and open, you know, works out in a matter, you know, such as this. And, you know, I, I think I found a a great collaborator, you know, and a, um, you know, and friend. And I'm not yeah. just sucking up to get this role here as your <laughs> co-host. This is actually the truth. Well, it's funny because. <laughs> Because, yeah, I mean, we'll have to do, I mean, whether or not you end up being the co-host, I think this probably warrants an episode where we just do another uh, solo episode together and talk through this whole, um, that whole project and the trials and tribulations without, you know, without throwing anyone under the bus or making it negative. But of I think course, it's it's course. such a fascinating story. And um, hopefully, I haven't I haven't asked her yet, but um, our our mutual friend Liz Anderson and she may be another co-host um, option or guest co-host. Oh, cool! You, know? you got in touch with her. Awesome. I have um, yeah. I haven't I haven't asked her yet. I've I've met I've talked to her recently, and we mm-hmm. we had coffee and because this whole odyssey of this this project stretches years <laughs> and and multiple directors and uh, multiple people's lives, um, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I don't know if she's gonna be ready to talk about it yet. But uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's it, you know getting me, you, and her, <laughs> and even Shauna, uh, who was another was one of the lead producers another, on another tra- uh, yeah casualty. Who I'm working with now on the alternate. Um, 
oh, getting sweet. her involved uh, <laughs> in this conversation would be interesting. But I don't know. It's it's very personal, and I'm not sure if anybody wants to talk about it. I mean, dude, it was a really hard. It took me like a year before I even mentioned on the podcast that I got fired from that project, quote mm. unquote. Um, mm. But <laughs> well, you know what though? I mean, you've got that one project that that can that is a defining moment, right? And, and what you do after that, because just like the title of the show, Making Movies is Hard, you know, it, it's a lot. Of, it's business. It's creative, you know, and it can also get personal. Right. So yeah. how do you divide all of that so that you can at least leave with some of your sanity? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And ju- just to explain for the audience who people who have probably haven't listened for years, so they don't know the backstory. But this is a project called Necessary Evil. It was like my first like paid directing job. It was like a, a web series, um, and I directed uh, the pilot episode. Uh, and Jeff got was was one of my stars in that, which was how we met, you know. And uh, basically, I ended up getting removed from the project, and then my version of it never got shown anywhere besides a Kickstarter video. But it was only partially shown, and then um, not my edit and not my color. So like re done without my um you know involvement and then like, dude it wasn't um, even colored <laughs> yeah well they yeah they, they, they didn't like uh well just very briefly they didn't like <laughs> me and the dp's color that we'd done but they didn't tell us and they didn't ask for any adjustments they just you know took the the project from us and then stripped the color that worked that we did like went back to an earlier revision and then like did a hack job on our early revision to like get it to the way they wanted it to be uh, rather than just telling us the notes and letting us do it. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, you know, Hey, that, that's probably comes off a little bit more negative than I wanted it to. Well, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But that's, but that's that that actually happened. the, fa- that's exactly what happened. So it's, yeah. it's not like I'm, I'm not, it's just, that's a fact. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but anyways, this odyssey of this project, we should talk about it eventually. If it's not this year, next year, a few years, eventually I will go over this because it's a very big learning experience, I think, for everybody to, like, you know, hear this story. I'm telling you right now, like, it should be done. <laughs> it should be done with everybody in the room with a big bottle of whiskey. <laughs> and yeah. we're not we're not going to talk shit about anyone <laughs> we're just gonna sit there and drink and talk about the process and how not to do that ever again or see right. <laughs> or 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 if you start to notice certain signs that something like that could happen again <laughs> how to steer right. the ship so that how to get how to get away from it right <laughs> exactly but anyways, I mean, it's true. Like our, our friendship was born from that project. We got to make a movie together, um, multiple movies actually. So we did yeah. the rage and then you were in cake that I, that I did. And then you were, I produced a movie that you got to have a bit role in. So yeah, we've gotten to work together a few times since, which has been great. And I know we'll get to work together again, which is exciting. Oh, most definitely. Um, oh, we yeah. did that reading for the alternate. Oh yeah, and you were in the alternate reading for crying out loud. Of course, <laughs> thank you again for that. That was awesome. Oh, People, no problem, man. I really want I, you to get that film made. Like, yeah, it'll seriously. it'll happen. It'll happen. Um, so so yeah, man. It's been pretty crazy. Uh, but um, you know, really really excited to do this this podcast with you. We we basically skipped a whole topic um, that we didn't get to of you being an artist and a father and what that's been like 
you know, raising raising a kid and then also, you know, pursuing a career as an actor. Um, but let's let's save that for another episode just yeah. because, you know, we've already gone about an hour. Um, but I really want to ask you a few more questions. Um, I've been asking all my guest co-hosts these questions. Okay. Um, so why did you say yes to co-hosting with me in the first place? Like, what made you decide to do this? You know what? I think the big thing... Other than other than wanting to talk shop with you and just have like a a week like the potential of having like a weekly debriefing on what's going on with each other, um, I really think like the show could possibly use a filmmaker that is also an actor. So coming so having an acting background and an actor's point of view in this whole crazy thing called uh, filmmaking, I think could be beneficial uh that's that's like nice. you know yeah that's that's the big thing that's the big thing and and what are you hoping to get out of this experience like are you do you see it as a way to grow as like a speaker or to learn from other filmmakers like are there certain guests that you're interested in talking to like what what are you hoping to get out of this whole thing well you know what uh the crazy thing about this was like before, like when you sent me, when you sent me, you know, the text, you know, of, of potentially, you know, coming on, I was actually having thoughts in my head as far as like, oh, you know what, maybe what if I did a podcast? What would, what, what would it be about? You know, I know that you and I had briefly talked about doing something more on the uh, nerdy geekdom sort of thing <laughs> right, side of things, exactly. kind of like, you know, uh what fat man you know like fat man beyond or what have you uh fat man on batman yeah fat man on batman but now he, <laughs> right. now it's fat man beyond because oh, dude really? is looking sexy right oh really yeah oh, oh yeah have you seen kevin smith lately <laughs> not really oh dude man <laughs> check him out on instagram man he's oh, all yeah. svelte and shit you know oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah yeah um but but yeah, so I know we had briefly, you know, talked about that and that was kind of, you know, running around in my head. But, you know, I, I, I think that I think that um, I think podcasting is probably something that's number one is never going to die. Number two, you know, it gives everybody a creative outlet to at least like say, hey, this is what I'm doing in the world more than it is, you know, listen to me, listen to me. I, I really think that a lot of people get great information, you know, from this show, right? And, oh, um, thanks, man. Yeah. So then, uh, yeah, and I mean, it's so just so people know, like we did have mm -hmm. this like week-long conversation or month-long conversation about doing a podcast together. Basically, after you were on the show with me, we like had a little bit of like geeking out in the, on that episode, just a little bit, and uh I was like, man, I could talk to you about movies or nerd stuff for like for 30 minutes or an hour. Like, that would be great. You know? Yeah. Um, I but, still think that could be a possibility. I like. Oh, I'm, yeah. yeah. It just takes a lot of time. Like doing a podcast is, is a big time commitment. And uh, now that I'm, you know, in this period where I don't have a co-host and I have to kind of take the weight of the podcast on my own shoulders. Um, it's definitely like, you know, I, I have enough podcasts to do. I <laughs> shouldn't take on another one. Well, no, um, no, I, I think that's fair. Well, you know what? Let, if Do you mind? Can I ask you a quick question? Sure. Of course. Why do you want to keep this podcast going? Oh, because I just I'm not done learning. You know, I feel like I learned so much um, from talking to the different guests and for having these conversations with people. And even just from my conversations with Timothy, like I learn a lot just through that experience, guest or no guest. 
Um, so I feel like I have so much more to learn and so much more to grow as a filmmaker. And I really, I'm just not done to, to hang up the spurs yet. And more than that, like I really want to make the alternate um, before I would even entertain the idea of stopping. So like that was the whole point of this podcast in the very beginning was to chronicle Timothy, Timothy and I's like rise to making our first features and mm-hmm. the whole process of getting them made and like how long it'll take and you know what we'll learn through it and you know coming up on the other side like what will our careers look like after we made our first features and you know he basically has decided that you know he's not going to be doing that right now mm-hmm. you know maybe he will make a, a feature later but he's just not that's not his goal at this moment anymore like it was when he started and for me I mean, that's still very much my goal, and it, it looks like it's almost a certainty that it'll shoot in 2019. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's just there's just no way that I can stop until at least after I finish shooting that project, and if if not, until it's released. Uh, so that's why I'm I'm doing it, and yeah, I just think there's so much there's so much left to learn, and I and I keep on getting messages from people all the time who you know, say nice things about the podcast to, you know, want to come on and talk about their thing on the podcast or just, I meet people on set who are like, Oh, I listen. Oh, you're in the making movies. It's hard guy. Oh, wow. Cool. You know? And I just think, yeah, it's just really fun. Like I feel like it's, it's really serving a purpose and I don't think, it, you know, people are sick of it yet and I think people are still learning from it. So might as well just keep on going. Right. Awesome. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Um, so the last question is, you know, do you have certain ambitions for the podcast? Like, are there certain places that you want to see the podcast go that's not going yet? Or do you like it as it is? Like, what, what do you see? Like, if you were to become the the second, the other half of the show, mm-hmm. like, where would you want to take it? So, I, I've been thinking a lot uh, about about that question. And one of them is, like we stated before, having you know just being able to nerd out a little bit right you know so but most importantly i mean yeah granted i think uh the industry is probably oversaturated with uh with comic book movies but hey that's what i grew up on i'm a i'm a kid of the 80s so sci-fi and all these you know cool movies you know that are coming out is uh something i know i want to talk about briefly but then also start to maybe uh, talk more about film from a from a film history point of view as far as like how it relates to today's society and and society in the past and how cinema has helped to shape the culture in which we live in today right so we're into this because of x y and z reasons but you know also hey maybe we could talk about um, you know, maybe we could talk about talk about certain movies that help shape a pivotal moment in history. You know what I mean? And why we're doing the things that we're doing now. So not more or less uh, trying to take a political stance, but showing films, uh, you know, talking about films that help shape our society. Wow. Right? OK, so that yeah. could be an angle. Yeah. Yeah, totally. One of the things that most of the guest co-hosts have talked about, I think actually all of them in some form or another, is some sort of segment, you know, Mm -hmm. like doing a segment that we've never done before, where whether it's like um, having a a podcaster, you know, 
like or not a podcaster, but having like a, a listener submit a film to us and have us watch it and give our thoughts on the film and give like a a live critique and then have that filmmaker come on and talk about their movie with us and like why they made the decisions they did, what they hope for the film. And like not have it be like a full episode all about that movie, but like just like mm-hmm. a like a twenty, thirty minute segment, you know? Um, or if it is a whole episode about the movie, have the filmmaker come on for a portion, you know, just to talk about, you know, that project or his perspective on the project or her perspective on the project, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that was one idea. Like what I'm hearing from you is like, you know, every every time a new comic book movie would come out, like we would definitely have a segment do- discussing it. <laughs> oh, for sure. In, in some way, you know, yeah. and have that either be a bonus episode or be part of an episode or something. Um, and then, yeah, I, I feel like that's an interesting segment idea. I like to discuss uh, a movie, you know, um, that had a big impact on the business or on filmmaking in general or, you know, on on culture or society, like and just outlining like that movie and why it's important. You know, like yeah. you could do Get Out. Right. Yeah. Like that would be be an important one. Or right. um, I don't know. I'm sure there's lots of other examples, <laughs> but that's the one that comes to mind just because you know horror filmmaking and you know that movie is so relevant right now yeah um, for sure or like black mirror you know like yeah that's another thing that was a kind of a big a big deal for um you know current filmmaker filmmaking and you see a lot of filmmakers making movies that are inspired by that black mirror style and uh, black you know kind of going has down like that changed my life oh really <laughs> wow well i mean you know just just in regards to um the stories that they're talking about and how it's like so relevant you know nowadays or what have you right right yeah how some of it can be yeah but then you can also talk about like yeah pulp fiction like that was a huge deal or yeah um like even clerks or um like what's another one? Oh yeah blair witch project i mean i don't mm-hmm. know some of those now now as i'm saying it out loud it's like sounding a little redundant and like we've all talked about these movies a bunch you know maybe we would f- want to find movies that aren't discussed as much you know and talk or about movies those. that were parallel uh to those films right oh yeah 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 you know like you had That's the Blair Witch Project come out and then w- what what kind of boom did we see happen you know after that you know what I mean and what were all the bad movies that came out of the Witch Project <laughs> yeah right? I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting yeah <laughs> well I definitely I, I don't know I feel like no matter who ends up being the permanent co-host I feel like these segments like there's, I think there's a lot of room for these segments to live on. And, you know, I was also entertaining this idea of like just having people come on every once in a while, you know, like, you know, even if, you know, like, let's say you don't end up being the main co-host, but like, you know, every time, uh, you know, a new, like, like when Captain Marvel comes out, for instance, like you come on and we talk about Captain Marvel. Oh yeah. You know, for like 20 <laughs> minutes and that becomes like a segment in the show, you know, or, yeah. Um, yeah, like one of the other co-hosts comes on and talks about this thing that's relevant to them, you know, or they, they do a whole episode because they're, they're friends with so-and-so person who's like a great guest and, you know, we'll do an, an episode with Andrew Schrader and blah, 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 or, you know, whoever else, uh, Isaac Pingree and whoever, who's mm-hmm. going to be another one of the co-hosts, you know? So yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's lots of ways that this could go and I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear what people think about the idea of having more fluid co-hosts or like maybe there's one central co-host and then we have like rotating people in and out, um, depending on what's going on. Right. Um, I don't yeah, know. The if possibilities like are that. endless, man. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like people really like this idea of like the, the two main voices they hear every week. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know if that's just my perception or if that's reality or, you know, I don't really know what people want. I it, guess <laughs> it is what you make it like, right. you know, you know, you know, my thing, like you, you make the decision for you and then people will follow. Right. I guess the other thing that I'm worried about is if, if I do it a more of a fluid rotating host thing, co-host thing, then it's like, then it just becomes my show and, and no mm-hmm. one else takes ownership of it. And then I have to do all the work. <laughs> uh, well, there's that too, but what's your intent? <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, but that goes back to the intent of, of doing it that way. Right. So if well, you're true yeah. with your intent, then, then everything will just kind of fall into place. You know what, what I really mean? want as a partner, like I want somebody who's going to shoulder the weight with me, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think like in order for that to really happen, it has to be more of a permanent co-host, you know, cause why would anybody shoulder any weight if they're not going to really have ownership of the show? You know, that's fair. That's unless fair. it's more of like a co-op type, type of situation where, you know, we all have ownership of it. Like, you know, that there's like, like six rotating hosts or whatever. Um, and yeah, then we all are part of making movies is hard. And then maybe I don't have to be on every episode and maybe you'll do an episode with Andrew sometimes, or, you know, uh, or with Lisa, if Lisa ends up, you know, actually doing the show or, Mm -hmm. you know, whoever, like, I mean, I think that would be really great, but, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess you're, you're right. It's like really up to me and up to us to decide what we want it to be, you know, and it really could be anything. It can't. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm like I said earlier, I think like the hand of fate is like, really, (laughs) really, I'm going to let, like, like let the universe decide to, to some degree. Um, and just sort of follow what 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 seems right and what seems to fit, um, right? But uh, but yeah, man, this has been great. I'm really really excited to have you on the show, and I'm really excited for our, our uh, guest episode that we're gonna do, um, which will be the next episode that people hear. Oh yeah, um, for sure. That's that's yeah. that one that's gonna be exciting. Um, but yeah, Jeff, thanks so much. And where can uh, people find your work? Where can uh, people see the stuff that you've done? Awesome, Alric. Yeah, so uh, you can follow me in the Twitterverse uh, at L. Jeffrey Moore on Instagram, uh, L. Jeffrey dot Moore, period between Jeffrey and Moore. And uh, let's see, Instagram, Twitter. I'm not really on Facebook all that much. I mean, if you want to digital stalk me, you can. You'll find me if you want to. But <laughs> I really don't spend much time in the Matrix. Um, but you're, but you're <laughs> that a Twitter guy, Facebook. though, right? Yeah, Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spend most of my time on Twitter and definitely, and definitely um, Instagram. So, oh, oh, and, oh duh, Jesus. And my website, ljeffreymore.com. And uh, there you can find uh, most of my projects up. Uh, for those of you who are really into serial podcasts, uh, Ars Paradoxica is a sci-fi time travel, uh, historical time travel uh, podcast that is still on online the show the show is uh no more we're not producing anymore but you can still uh follow follow that as well and other stories from the whisper forge that i've had the pleasure of uh, lending my voice talents to awesome man sweet well thanks again jeff and now you have the the um important job of uh outroing the show take it away uh, check out our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode. If you want to get in contact with us, send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. 
or find us on Twitter and Facebook at MMIH Podcast. And please sure, if you like the show, tell a friend. Help us get the word out. Leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks. I'm Jeff. And I'm Ulrich. Talk to you guys next week. Peace.